Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing this morning? Good? Oh, it's so good. Uh, I'm so glad that you could all be here. If it's your first time, welcome to Crossroads. We are truthfully uh, so glad that you are here. We hope that you feel uh, very loved and welcomed by everyone and everything that's going on. Uh, If it's your first time tuning in online, as always, uh, uh, welcome. We are so glad that you could be joining as well, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, or at the Madison County Correctional Facility. I mean, aren't we just so lucky to be in church this morning? I don't feel lucky. Yeah? I mean, come on. Now, if you don't, let me try and help that a little bit, okay? So, so three years ago to the day was the first Sunday that we weren't able to gather as a church because of COVID. Isn't that crazy? Think about how much can change in three years. Like, I don't want to take this for granted. This is an awesome thing that we get to be together, see each other, be able to talk to each other in the lobby. And so uh, I truly feel like being here with all of you is, is such an honor and a pleasure. And it's so lucky. And, and that was just what was in the notes. But then this morning, it got even more real. Okay, so let me just tell you about this super quick. So uh, every Sunday morning, I get up and I go to Brugger's right when they open at 6 a.m. I get some, some bagels for the worship team. Okay, and then I drive my usual route from Brugger's to here through Manly. Okay, and so this morning, you know, we woke up and it was freezing because I guess that we're doing that now and it's just cold. And so the roads were slippery and that's fine. Uh, I like the, my car slid a little bit, so I put it in four wheel drive, no big deal at all. Anyway, so I'm coming down and getting to Chittenango. The roads are fine. So I'm like, I probably don't need to leave it on, but I left the four wheel drive on anyway. So, so I, I leave it on and I'm driving down Lakeport Road. Okay, and as I turn, kind of make the turn and it's like the straightaway on Lakeport Road, uh, I see another car kind of turn on as well. So I see their headlights, they see my headlights, it's dark outside. And so I'm going about 50 miles an hour because I can't go that fast with four-wheel drive on, and so we're driving. And as me and the car get closer and closer together, the car in the other lane came square over into my lane and kept coming at me. So they were probably on their phone. And so we're driving straight at each other, and it was within like 10 or 20 feet. I thought this was like going to happen, like my mind had already made it up. But I yanked the wheel to the side, went off the road, and then came back onto the road, and it was all fine. But my goodness, was I scared. It was not, it was a, it really wakes you up in the morning. And so uh, point is, everything's all good, no big deal, right? Like just because it was icy, the four-wheel drive was on, maybe that helps. I don't know, but I feel lucky to be here, okay? And so... uh, it's, it's one of the best days to preach in the world, and so I'm just happy. And so, because a lot of things could have happened, but we're all good. But I keep using the word, word lucky. Why do I keep doing that? What was Friday? Friday was St. Patrick's Day. That's right. Anyone Irish in here? Irish folks? Usually they let you know a little bit louder, don't they? It's usually more of a party, but that's okay. And so, yeah, uh, I'm not Irish myself, but I married an Irish gal, and so that's a cool thing. And so I, I actually happen to like St. Patrick. Anyone like St. Patrick? So sometimes you see him, he looks like this, right? St. Patrick, we celebrate a whole day for him. But do you know anything about St. Patrick? I happen to love St. Patrick. I learned about St. Patrick last year uh, in my church history class at seminary. And I just think that this guy is the man, okay? Like, I want to be like St. Patrick when I get older. And so St. Patrick, if you don't know a lot about him, he was born in 372 AD. That was a long time ago. He was born He was born to a British family. So he was born in Britain. His great-grandpa was a, was a deacon. His grandpa was a priest. And his dad was a deacon. So... You didn't know this, but Patrick was a pastor's kid. So he was a pastor's kid, and he grew up, and he did not like God at all. He could have cared less. So it's funny how things really just don't change over thousands of years. But he, he could have cared less about God. And, and Ireland was a lot different back then, okay? So Ireland used to be broke up into five different kingdoms with these five kings. And underneath them, they had all these chieftain kings. And, and the ways that the chieftain kings could, could, like, earn brownie points or potato points, I don't know how it works, but the way that they could, like, get in good with 
with their king was they had this like book of presents that like you could get your king so that they would like you more. And, and one of those things was by stealing people from Europe. So you could just go steal 10 people and your king would like you more. And so there were these Irish pirates who kept coming into Europe and in Britain and they would just take people. And so uh, one time these Irish raiders come into to Britain and they steal Patrick when he was 16 years old. So he was stolen. He was enslaved in Northern Ireland. And when he was there, the king who was in charge of him made him a shepherd. So for six years, Patrick is alone in these fields as a shepherd boy watching these sheep. And that is a lonely place to be. He was scared. He did not like his life. And he thought that this was going to be the rest of his life. So he was also rather sad, depressed, not in a good place, okay? And so what does he do? He starts talking to God. He starts praying out in the field all alone, talking to God and just talking to him day after day after day. And then one day he felt like God was actually listening to him and that he responded. And so he places his faith in Jesus just from being alone and talking to God and felt like he was actually responding. It's amazing. And so uh, the, the story is very long. I would encourage you to read it, okay? St. Patrick wrote a book, okay? You should read this. It takes an hour. Anyways, I read it this week. It's very good. And so uh, a lot this crazy stuff happens to where he ends up getting freed from slavery and he ends up back in Britain when he was 22. So he was a slave for six years. Gets back to his family. They're super excited. He's on fire for Jesus now. Uh, he's like, I want to go to seminary. So he goes to seminary, goes to school. He wants to become a priest himself. And so, so he's going to take his own church. These church leaders have a church all picked out for him. His parents want him to take this church, but he said, no, I want to go back to Ireland because Ireland had never heard the gospel before. It is what we would know today as an unreached people group. The gospel, after 350 years since Jesus had been there, had never made its way to the island of Ireland. Ireland was practicing all this witchcraft and sorcery and like Celtic things like leprechauns. We know where leprechauns come from. That's a leprechaun. But fairies, all these different things. And, 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 and Patrick saw all of that when he was over there. And he felt called to go to these people and to tell them about the message of Jesus. And so everyone said, no, you can't do it. He said, I don't care. So he goes anyways. And immediately he goes to the people who had enslaved him and he's preaching them the gospel and they didn't really take to it actually but he kept going all around the island for the rest of his life and he would preach to the king and if they would accept the gospel uh, he would go ahead and set up this big school and he would train a bunch of people and he just kept doing that over and over again he would pick up little three-leaf clovers and he would explain people the trinity by talking about the father the son and the holy spirit and that's how people would like understand the gospel it's crazy stuff anyways so that's saint patrick uh, uh, he ended up dying in Ireland, and by the time he had died, the gospel had gone to the entire island, and the majority of the people in Ireland had become Christian. It's insane, okay? So this guy was really cool, um, and he actually, uh, uh, it, it was, what was partially so amazing about it is because this is similar to like one of Paul's missionary journeys, right? But this was just 350 years after the fact, and he was going to people uh, that no one else cared about. He was going to people that people thought were a waste of time. He knew it was going to cost him to to go after these people, but he felt called to do it, and so he did it anyways. Here's a quote from him. He says, uh, and many offers were made to me with weeping and tears, and I incurred displeasure there from my elders.
is he talking about going to Ireland in the first place? Contrary to my wish, but under the guidance of God, which prevailed in me and, and resisted them all in order that I might come to preach the gospel to the people of Ireland and bear with the ill treatment of the unbelieving and that I be reproached as a foreigner and have to endure many persecutions, even to bonds, and that I should give up my free birth for the good of others." And I am ready at this moment to lay down even my life with joy for his name's sake. This guy, was, this guy was awesome. It was not an easy thing that he did. People weren't just like, oh, Jesus, and then they liked him all of a sudden. It took a lot. He was constantly beaten. He was constantly thrown in jail. He was constantly stolen from. Uh, but he thought it was worth it anyways. And so we're actually in week five of our, our series we've been in called Heaven on Earth, where we've been looking at how do we experience these heavenly realities, this heavenly culture uh, that Jesus set up in our everyday lives. And we've been asking this question, what would it look like to make Sunday morning at Crossroads Community church heaven on earth. We've been talking about this and we learned it all comes back to living our lives like Jesus, living our lives based on his teachings, living our lives the way that he modeled himself. So if this is your first time, I would encourage you Go on to YouTube, look up at Crossroads CNY, give those messages a look, and you can, you can start to, we, we get a little more specific about how that actually uh, looks. We also have a podcast. Check out our podcast, a couple quick plugs. And so um, last week, though, we saw Jesus ask the most important question that you personally could ever answer for yourself in your entire life. And he asked it to his disciples, and he said to them, who do you say that I am. Who do you say that I am? And, and we talked about how the way that you answer that question will determine the trajectory for the rest of your life. And if you answer it the way that the apostle Peter answered it, that your life will certainly be changed forever. And Peter said that he was the Messiah, the son of the living God. And that very thing is what will change your life. And so uh, if you got a Bible with you, you can pull it open. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 18. If you got a phone, you can scroll there. Matthew chapter 18, we're going to jump around a little bit, okay? So we're going to do 18, 1 to 5. Then we're going to do 10 to 15. Then we're going to go to 19 and talk 13 to 15. So we got some passages, uh, and you'll see why in a second. But if you don't have it, it'll be up here on the screen as well. It says this. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. So now we're going to go to verse 10. He says, see that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing to let any of these little ones 
Paris. So now we're going to go to chapter 19, verse 13. And it says this, Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. And so, uh, the title of my message today is, Patrick had a little lamb. Look at the person next to you and say, I thought that was Mary. I thought that, you, know, you can say that. Yeah, I thought it was Mary too, but it was Patrick. You might not have known that. And so, so remember here, in this passage, right, we have, we have Jesus talking to his disciples, right, and his disciples are asking him a question. But his disciples, these were just your regular, ordinary, young adult guys. Like, these guys were not like cream of the crop or purebred. They were very ordinary, average, young adult males. And so, so they come to Jesus and they ask him this question and they say, Jesus, who is the goat, right? Like this, like you hear young guys always talking about this, like who's the goat? We talk about this all the time in sports. Like who's the goat? Is it Michael Jordan? Is it LeBron? Is it Brady? Is Patrick Mahomes gonna catch him? Is it Lionel Messi? Is it Muhammad Ali? Is it Wayne Gretzky? Like these are the goats, right? And you might ask yourself, well, Cooper, what does goat mean? Okay, so goat stands for greatest of all time. If you didn't know that, that's what goat stands for. So people are talking about like, who is the greatest of all time? But it's interesting because in this passage, goat means something else. It actually means greatest of all the kingdom, right? And so that's one word, the kingdom, and the kingdom. And so, so this is what the disciples want to know from Jesus. They're like, Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And if you haven't been around, Jesus is the king of all kings. He's the king of this kingdom. And when he came to earth, he came to the earth and he was teaching everyone about how to live in this kingdom of heaven here on earth earth. He taught us how to enter his kingdom. He taught us how to experience his kingdom and how he taught us how to build his kingdom of heaven. And so the disciples, they've heard the same stuff now for about three years and they're actually doing it. So now they want to know, how can I do it better than everyone else so that I can be the best, so that I can get special privileges? And so uh, they, they were trying to be better than one another and try and be the best. Why? Because they wanted to be the goat. They wanted to be the greatest of all the kingdom. And so they wanted to feel important, powerful, better than anyone else. And so really, they think the competition is just between the 12 of them because they're there with Jesus all the time. And the truth is, uh, Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, Jesus is hilarious, okay? He's very smart and he's very funny. And so Jesus does this, right? Like the disciples, they're all like arguing about who's the best. And Jesus, he looks over and there's these kids like playing over there. And kids love Jesus. He's just such a nice guy. Everyone wanted to be around him. And so Jesus, he probably knew him. He was like, Elijah, Elijah, get over here. And Elijah like, you know, waddles over like a kid would do. And, and he looks up at Jesus like, what's up, Jesus? And Jesus is like, hey, can you, can you go stand next to those, those, those friends of mine? And so he's like, yeah, man. And so like Elijah goes over here. I don't know if his name's Elijah. I made that up. And so he's standing over here with the, with the disciples and he's looking up at all these guys. And, and, and Jesus, he puts it in the mind. He's like, he's like, you see this little guy right here? It, truly, if you don't become, if you don't change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And so I was like, here he goes again, right? With his teaching and like, he just thinks he's smarter than everyone else. And like, he has to make it all like, now we're supposed to become kids. Like it's already hard enough to do everything else. How are we supposed to become like children? And Jesus says, you have to take a lowly position like 
a child. And, and so what's Jesus' point? Well, I think he's making kind of three points throughout this passage, okay? Uh, the first one is that we need to become like little children. The second one is that we need to care for little children. And the third is that there is only one goat. And so let's talk about the first thing. The first thing is this, that we need to become like little children. So Jesus is saying, Unless we become like a little child, what's a little child like? They're humble, right? They're dependent, they're full of faith, and they're full of trust, and they're, they're in awe of God. If you've never seen this before, hang out with a little kid when they're talking about God. These things are amazing. But he said that if you don't even do that, you won't even enter the kingdom of heaven. Forget about trying to be the best. You won't even enter it. And so uh, uh, anyone here, quick question, anyone here have any kids? Kids, you, you, you raise kids. Uh, you're, maybe you're an older sibling and you've helped raise kids. Maybe you babysit. I don't know, whatever you do. But, but what are kids like? They're needy. Yes, they're needy. They have a lot of needs. They can't do much of anything on their own. Uh, they aren't afraid to ask questions about like why things are the way they are, how they got there. Uh, uh, they're not afraid to ask for help, right? Whether they need to be fed or they need to be carried along, they need to be held or they need to be loved. And, and they aren't afraid to believe their parents when they tell them to do something, right? Like if you just put your hand on and say, come on this way, they'll just grab your hand and you can just take them where you're supposed to go, hopefully. Uh, or... If you tell them, like, no, don't touch that, you're going to hurt yourself, they'll, like, look at you. They might still try and do it, but they're still going to, like, believe you at first and maybe not touch it. And, and we need to understand that we're not the parent in our relationship with God. We don't get to call the shots. We don't get to decide for ourselves uh, what is best for us. We don't get to decide what's safe. We don't get to decide uh, what is good for ourselves. Instead, we listen to our heavenly Father. We are all, regardless of your age, children of God. We're, we're little sons and we're little daughters of our heavenly Father. And, and if you even want to begin to experience heaven on earth, then we make ourselves, we change ourselves in our thinking and we become like little children who are asking our perfect and loving Father for help with everything that we do, we ask him to provide for us every day and we ask him to take us by our hand and lead us wherever we are supposed to go. We ask him to hold us in the protection of his arms as we fall asleep at night. We ask him to hold us when we're hurting, when we're scared, because we know that we have a perfect, loving, and caring father in heaven. Now, I know you probably, you probably might not feel like you have one on earth. Right? Or maybe you know that you don't have one on earth. Or maybe you never had a father in the first place. And so things like this are hard for you. And so I get that. But don't let your father on earth rob you of the joy of knowing your father in heaven. Don't project your earthly father on your heavenly father. Because the older we get, the harder it can be to really become like little children. Because, because why? Because our pride would like us to feel like we are the ones who are in control of our lives. God doesn't want that for you. He doesn't want you to be prideful. He wants you to be the two things that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. He wants you to be humble and he wants you to be desperate. When we're humble, when we humble ourselves before others, uh, we're not intimidating anymore. Are, are children intimidating to you? Like if you see a little kid in an alley, you're like, oh, no, like that's, not, that's not your reaction, right? What? They're cute, 
They're, they're not, and so that's, we should be humble. We should not be intimidating. We shouldn't be uh, offending people. And, and we're here to humble ourselves, to serve others, and to humble ourselves before God to serve him. And then we should also be desperate for our father. So I am not a father, okay? If you don't know me, I'm not a father. I don't have kids. Um, not there yet. Hope to be one day. Excited about that. And so uh, I will say, though, over the past couple of months, uh, we've been helping some of our friends out babysit their little two-year-old, okay? And so cute little guy. I was there. We were, we were just hanging out alone. And, and he does this thing where he loves to fall. He, he likes to fall a lot. And so he does the same thing over and over again. And it's like cute on the couch because it'd be like, whoa, whoa. And then it'll like throw himself down really hard. And he thinks it's hilarious. And he'll do it for hours on end. And it's easy at that point because he's safe. But when he wants to go outside in the snow and play this game, things get a lot riskier. And so, you know, we're out in the snow. He's all bundled up. He can't even see out of like his hat. And so I was helping him, but he's freaks out. Anyways, so so he's, he's in the snow, he's going, whoa, whoa, and then he like throws himself down. And then he starts screaming, and he's like, ah, ah, ah. and I go over, I'm like, what is it? And he's got these mittens that he has to wear, right, but they're not good mittens. And so uh, the, he would get snow on his hands, and, and he'd be like, help, help with no, help with the no. And so I'd have to come over and like brush the snow off his hands, oh, better. Then he'd stand up and he'd go, whoa, whoa, and then he'd throw himself down, and he'd be like, help with the no. Oh, how about enough? And we do that for an hour. And I just keep rushing the stuff. He's like, oh, how better? And I guess up. And no matter how many times he did it, he wouldn't learn his lesson about his hands getting cold when he would hit the snow, right? But it didn't matter. It didn't matter how many times he was desperately crying out for help. I was coming over there and I was brushing his hands off because I didn't want to be in I didn't want to be in pain. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be uncomfortable. And so uh, this is the same thing with God. It doesn't matter how many times. We, we seem to have to learn the hard way. We never seem to quite get it, but it doesn't matter because God will come and be there for us. He doesn't want us to have to learn the hard way, but when we still do it, if we are humble enough to desperately cry out to God, he will come and be with us. But our pride will keep us from crying out to God. But if we're humble and we're desperate for him, no matter how many times we mess things up in life, he will always be there for us. And then Jesus, he tells this quick parable. He says, see that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any one of these little ones should perish. See, children are very challenging. They are. And they're going to keep messing things up and needing to be corrected but they're needing to be cared for. But Jesus says very clearly, see that you do not despise these little ones. And then he tells the story of a shepherd, right? The story of a shepherd just like St. Patrick was a shepherd, right? And the shepherd's got a hundred sheep. And one of the sheep was like, nah, I don't know. And so then he like wanders away. He's like not digging, being a part of the herd. And he wanders away and he's putting himself in danger, right? He is the one who strayed away and he has now gotten himself into a place where he is disconnected from the shepherd and all on his own. So what could the shepherd do? Well, the shepherd could say, dude's got to learn the hard way. Like, oh, he, this, is, this is what he chose to do this for himself. I'll just leave him. He'll come back eventually, and he'll be all, and then he'll never leave again. Does the shepherd do that? No, he doesn't. What does he do? He leaves the 99 sheep, and he goes after the one. Why? Because what's the job of a shepherd? A shepherd is there to protect and provide for the sheep. It's to provide food, to provide 
rest to provide guidance and direction of where they're supposed to go. It's supposed to, it's supposed to uh, protect them from predators and from, from other pests. And so this is what the shepherd is called to do. And so he knows when the, when the sheep is out there wandering on its own that it is now in, dar- it's in danger. It's in harm's way. It's not going to be able to provide for himself. And so he runs after the one and brings him back to the 99. And it even says that he is happier about finding the one than about the 99 who did what they're supposed to. You say, well, Cooper, that's not fair. That's not fair to the 99. They did the right thing. Why is he happier about the one? And I would say, thank God that God is not fair. Because you and I, we've all been the one who's wandered away. Maybe you're the one right now. I don't know. But we've all been the one. And if God was fair, he would have just left us all alone. But that's not God. God's not fair. If God was fair, Jesus would not have come into the earth and been perfect and without sin and died for our sin. That's not fair. But that's not God. God is full of grace and he's full of mercy. In other words, we get what we don't deserve. That's grace. We get love. We get forgiveness. And it's not fair, but we do. We get it because of his grace. And then we don't get what we do deserve, and that's mercy. We, we don't get the, the punishment. We don't get the separation that we deserve because God is full of grace and mercy, and it's not fair, but that's not God. And whether, whether we're a follower of Jesus or we're really far out, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity or the punishment of us all. We all have gone astray. We've all tried to do life on our own or, or outside of how God ordered it all. But, but what does God do? But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus didn't wait for you to come back to the sheep. He didn't wait for you to clean your life up. He didn't wait for you to figure it all out. He didn't even wait for you to know him or about him. He died for you first. And this is how we know God's love, that while we were still sinners, while we were that sheep who had wandered far away, Christ gave his life for us. He died for us. While we were lost, Jesus found us. He came to you when you were in your darkest place, and he led you to safety. And Jesus says in the same way that you were shepherded or led back to Jesus, we should look at the next generation, and we should shepherd them to him as well, that we are called to shepherd the little children. So we become like children, and then we also care for the little children. And see, this is actually the part of St. Patrick's ministry, and people don't know this, that made him so successful, that that carried on his legacy for as long as it did. People say that St. Patrick uh, reshaped civilization forever. You know why? Because he would have all these people who would follow him, and then he would set them up, and they would be the teachers of their own school. And for the first time in history, there were these things called towns that were developed around these schools. And that's where we get towns from, is St. Patrick doing this. But here's the thing. It wasn't hard for St. Patrick. Why was it not hard? Because people described his personality as being winning or amiable. Amiable means friendly or, 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 or pleasant. And, and there's this one story about, uh, that, that demonstrates this for St. Patrick. He, he was at this host family's house, and uh, they were well-to-do. Uh, they had recently come to faith, and so he's staying over. And they had a kid named Ben. And Ben constantly is grabbing on of St. Patrick's leg, wanting to go with him wherever he goes, because he was just so friendly and fun to be around. He wanted to be around him. And then he spends the night, and he wakes up the next morning, and he's trying to get into his chariot to leave. He's got one foot in the chariot, and the other foot, Ben, is still clinging on to his leg and won't let him go. 
boy, he didn't want him to leave. And so his parents send Ben along with St. Patrick. And Ben grows up. And when St. Patrick dies, Ben was his successor. And see, this part about St. Patrick is arguably how he was the most like Jesus. Because people always wanted to be around him. St. Patrick, he cared for children. He welcomed them into his ministry. He was a trained shepherd. He knew what it was like to lead little sheep. Only when it was children, he was leading them closer to Jesus. And, and Patrick, Patrick had a little lamb following him around. And that one lamb turned into a herd of sheep. It's, 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 it's amazing. And, and, and if this isn't true for your life right now as a follower of Jesus, I'm just going to tell you, being in a local church family, a local church body, is the best place to practice this. Uh, but but the, the final thing is this, that Jesus is the goat. Okay, if you didn't know this, Jesus is the goat. Jesus is the greatest of all the kingdom. He is the most humble. He, he is the one who is the most dependent on his heavenly father. He is the one who is the most obedient to his heavenly father. And Jesus is also the good shepherd. And we should follow after Jesus. But we're also called to be like Jesus. So we should be humble shepherds to become like little children to our Father in heaven who care for the little children that God has blessed us with. And the disciples know these things, but they still didn't get it. That's why a couple of verses later it says, Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. And Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. We should never be what stands in the way of little children coming to Jesus. We need to be around helping to shepherd little kids because they are actually a reminder for us of how we are supposed to look at God and how we are supposed to connect relationally to him. And because they are also the ones who are going to carry on our ministry. They're going to be the ones who, who carry on, who, who take the torch for all that we've labored for, sacrificed for, and invested in. And we should do it because the kingdom of heaven belongs to little children. So if we want to see heaven on earth, then, then the more and more that there are at our church on Sunday mornings, the more the merrier, right? And so Jesus, he had a bunch of little lambs. Patrick, he had a little lamb. The question is, do you? Because we have more and more little lambs showing up to our church every week. And it's awesome. Okay, it's awesome. And uh, in staff meeting two weeks ago, we had someone talk about how their win for the week was the fact that they were on Facebook and there are all these like mom chats and like people are looking for churches. People are looking for churches right now. People are curious about God. People are coming out of COVID like three years later and, and, and they, they're looking for a church. But what are they looking for? They're looking at a place that's, that's loving and accepting and they're looking for a place that cares about their kids. This is like the biggest thing for people. And her win was the fact that so many people were recommending Crossroads. And that's awesome. And you know what's awesome? As more and more people come to our church, Lord willing, on Easter morning, that place will be opened up and we'll have all this space. We'll have so much room for so many more people to fill up that room. And when they come in, I'm just telling you, they're probably bringing kids, which is awesome. But here's what's not awesome. It won't be awesome when we don't have enough shepherds for the little lambs to be cared for. And so this is what we're trying to get out in front of, because if we don't have enough kids' rooms opened, uh, I don't think we as a church are doing enough to step up to the calling of being shepherds for these little sheep of the next generation. 
And here's what I think would be really unifying. You want to know what I think would really like unite our church? We'd all have something in common, right? We'd all have something in common. So in other words, if you call Crossroads your church, if this is your home, if this is your family, okay, so if you're new, we're just, we love that you're here. If you want to do this, you're welcome to do this, but don't, this isn't for you, okay? So, but if you call church your family, I think it would be really unifying and edifying for all of us if we all committed together to serve once, for one hour every other month in some area of kids' ministry, whether it be nursery, preschool, check-in, elementary, whatever it is, for one month. We also got mops on Sunday nights. We got a lot of, a lot of kids showing up at mops. That's a good thing, too. One hour every other month. That's six hours a year. You know how many hours there are in a year? 8,760 hours. I did the math for you. Six hours, six hours out of 8,760 hours. Do you have six hours of the year to invest in the next generation, to be known as a church that cares for little kids, that cares for little children, that welcomes little children into the kingdom of heaven? Personally, I feel like we all do. I also feel like it's going to be a great way for us to serve and sacrifice together. So six hours, and you all have a slip of paper, you have the Easter invite, and there's another one that says, I'm all in, okay? And you might think, Cooper, it's easy for you to say you preach. There's my card, okay? We're going to figure it out. I will do six hours a year in kids' ministry. You heard it right here. I'm committing to it, okay? And I'm, because I would never expect you to do something that I'm not first willing to do as well. So there's my card. I'm committing to six hours in kids' ministry a year, all right? So I would just ask for you to do the same thing. So don't, don't leave today before honestly praying and asking God to impress upon your heart, can I do this? Because I think if we all can do it together, it's going to mean that much more. Because we don't want to have to close any classrooms. We don't want to rob kids of the joy of hearing about God in a way that they can understand. Jesus said, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Do you want to welcome Jesus, the greatest of all the kingdom, into your life and to see what he does? Do you want to welcome Jesus by making sure that all kids are welcome in the family? Because the kingdom of heaven belongs to little children. So we become like little children. We care for little children. And we live like Jesus the goat, by being humble and by shepherding the next generation. Because Patrick had a little lamb and a calling, and he was willing to lay his life down for God and for the good of others, and we should too. That's how we will begin to see heaven on earth. But maybe, maybe you're not there, and that's fine. Maybe you're not there. Maybe you're the sheep, though, right now. Maybe you're wandering. Maybe you've gotten disconnected from the flock. Maybe you've never seen Jesus as your shepherd. Maybe right now you're hurting. Maybe right now you're broken. Maybe right now you're in need of some guidance in your life. If you feel like you're that one sheep, I would just ask you today to come to Jesus. He is coming after you. He is the reason why you're here today, whether you knew it or not. And he wants a relationship with you. And he proved it by dying for you before you even knew who he was. So I'd ask you, Come to Jesus. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the example, God, that Jesus set as being one who, who legitimately cared about kids. God, he cared about kids, and he even said that in order for us to even enter into this heavenly reality on earth, God, that we need to become like kids in relation to our heavenly Father, that we need to be dependent, that we need to be humble that we need to be full of faith, God, that we need to be desperate for our Father. God, that he is there, that we can cry out to him right now. 
if we feel like we're drowning, God, if we feel like the world is crushing us, that we can cry out to him and, and he'll reach down, he'll pull us up onto our feet because he loves us so much, God. And, and, and he proved it by sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins and that he was raised to life three days later, God, making a way for us to come into a relationship with you, God, to have that relationship mended. And Lord, I pray that if there's someone in here today who feels like a sheep but just been wandering, Maybe you used to come to church or you used to be a follower of Jesus and you kind of wandered away. Maybe you've just been wandering your whole life. You've never even thought about Jesus. But you want to. I would ask you to come to him today. He loves you so much. God, help us to be a church that is for the next generation. God, help us to be a church that is for those who are wandering. Lord, I pray that we would do all of it for you. God, I pray that as we sing this last song that you would speak to people's hearts that you would motivate them to get involved in giving up six hours of their year to be for the next generation, God, that you would speak to their hearts uh, and that they would say yes to placing their faith in you. God, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Would you stand as we close in worship?